This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode on Press One for Nick. I'm your host, Nick Lemsdahl, Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. On this podcast, I sit down with customer service and customer experience leaders to talk about their stories, best practices, and lessons they've learned along the way. Let's get started. My guest on the podcast today is Nick Zeisler. Nick is the principal at Zeisler Consulting and a professor at the United States Air Force Academy. Welcome to the podcast, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Uh, congratulations on the podcast. Hey, thank you so much. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm flattered to be one of the first ones here. You're going to iron out the kinks before you get the big shots on. Good yeah, for you. You're, you're the big shot, man. That's why I had you on the podcast. <laughs> Nothing but the best here. Yeah. But so uh, what are the parallels uh, between being a professor in calculus and stats in the Air Force and customer experience? <laughs> well, they're few and far between, Nick. Uh, I think... <laughs> There's certainly a parallel in how I ended up doing it. And, and that's certainly a story that I tell the cadets when they ask me for career advice. I, I ended up a, a professor at the Air Force Academy in the same way that I ended up in CX. And that was just falling backwards into this job. Somebody said, hey, you want to be a professor? And I said, uh, well, okay. I've never considered doing that, but you think I could? And they said, sure. Uh, six years of, of doing that turned into being recruited out to the Pentagon to work for the chief of staff of the Air Force and his analysis and assessments operation. I did that for another six years and now I'm back again. It's good to be back home in, in Denver. And that kind of parallels how I got into CX, which was out of the blue as well. Wow. Yeah. Go ahead and get, and get into that. I'd love to hear more. Yeah, I came into customer experience uh, by way of process improvement. I'm a Lean Six Sigma black belt. I was an operations research uh, guy in the Air Force and an analyst for the longest time. Uh, got into process improvement and process engineering, did Six Sigma, did Lean, did Lean Six Sigma, agile project management and these sorts of things. And uh, I got a call from HP and I was being recruited. <laughs> to be their director of customer experience. And I said, yeah, well, where did that come from? And, and, the, and the guy who turned out to be my boss, he said, we want you to leverage the experience and the expertise you have in process improvement and use that to improve our customers' experiences. Because traditionally, you use process improvement to reduce resource use and save money and save time and make things you know, more efficient and so forth. Yeah. But uh, beauty of it is, is that if you think about that Venn diagram of all the stuff that you might use process improvement and Lean Six Sigma for to improve your processes and save money and save resources and time, that overlaps quite a bit with the stuff that pisses your customers off. So <laughs> you don't really even really have to do a whole bunch of changing of your focus. It's just more of a prioritization matrix of what you want to improve. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, one of the, when I was creeping around on, on your uh, uh, social and kind of looking on the website, one that really stuck out to me, one of the videos that you produced was around customer uh, CX strategy and brand promises. So I kind of wanted to focus on that topic today. Um, you know, before we get started on um, both of those, what is your definition on of CX strategy? Well, it's kind of an approach, really. I think a lot of people think that what you need to do to to implement and derive a CX strategy is more or less overlay what your company already does as far as its strategy, you know, mission and vision and so forth, uh, whatever's etched in the, in the marble down in your lobby there yep. and overlay that with customers. And surely there are, there are places where they just start using the word customer and put customer, slip it every once in a while into the mission statement or whatnot. And setting aside any of those instances where people aren't, they're just kind of 
throwing the word around and they don't really mean it. Even those people who are genuinely interested and really do want to become customer centric, a lot of times they think that CX is something that either goes alongside what their strategy is or maybe kind of, kind of overlays. And you get a lot of people, there's like, well, we just need to make every customer experience perfect and excellent. We got to knock it out of the park and everything's got to be just th these awesome, outstanding experiences. When really what it comes down to is one simple thing, Nick, and that is your customers' experiences with your brand at every touch point along their entire journey, no matter what it is, should enhance and speak for what that brand promises. And, a lot, and it's not just as, like I said, it's not just as simple as just, hey, we love our customers and we're going to, you know, put up this, 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 uh, this, this customer, we love customers banner and that's going to be the end of it. It really has to be how are our customers interacting and not just is it a great experience, but is this something that's representative of what that brand promises that, that we're making to the customer? Yeah, no, that's a great point. You know, inside that video, I think you kind of just touched on it, but all interactions promote your brand promise or they, sh they, they should, should be promoting your brand promise. You know, uh, you know, you can't just have a, 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 a plane coming around the, the building and saying, Hey, we love our customers. We love our Sharing customers. That banner, we love our right, customers. Yeah. right. Or, or uh, another example is having uh Oprah Winfrey uh, yelling at the top of everybody saying, you know, you get a, you get a great customer experience. You get a great customer experience. <laughs> now, if you can get Oprah to promote your brand, that's obviously a good thing. You shouldn't turn that down, but you need to have that talk with her, right, Nick, before you do that. Okay, Oprah, here's where we're going. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. It, and it, it's not about changing your brand. It's not about changing your uh, your strategy corporately, although sometimes it can be because you can leverage CX to have those awkward conversations with the rest of that leadership team and say, hey, are we really living up to our brand? And the example that I like to use, and there's several examples you can use, but if you're a quality brand, if that's what you are, we produce the greatest, highest quality widgets. And guess what? Your customers recognize they'll probably pay a little more for your widgets. You would, you could make your brand and make your company easier to deal with. When I buy widgets from ABC Incorporated, it's a pain in the neck, but they sell me the greatest quality widgets ever. You could improve that experience and make it a little bit easier to, to, to deal with your company, but you would never want to do that if it sacrifices that quality. You'd never trade off that quality because that quality in this instance is your actual brand promise. So, it's, you're never going to be everything to everybody, but CX should be about, like you say, emphasizing that brand. Right. Yeah. So you're not saying that customers are expecting you to, to deliver the best product at the best price. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's for darn sure. <laughs> right. Quality, time and, and cost and choose to, right. That sort of thing. But yeah, to, to, to your point, it's, that's absolutely right, Nick. Your CX strategy. And as you walk in as a CX leader or as a CX practitioner and you're, you're emphasizing and talking about CX, we have to have a degree of humility. And we have to recognize that we're not here to change the world of what this company does and what that promise is. We are here just like everybody else in the organization to advance that brand. And that's what CX should be doing, advancing that brand and bringing to light the experiences our customers are having when they go through these touch points with it. Yeah. Yo, so when it comes to being a customer experience leader, what is the responsibility of that CX leader um, to make sure that the CX strategy is aligned with brand promises? And then how do you bring that up to the executive leadership team? 
Well, first of all, you should be on the executive leadership team. <laughs> yeah, you, you, customers or companies who really are dedicated to customer experience recognize the value in putting somebody to represent the customer at the table when decisions are made in the leadership team. And just like anybody else on that leadership team, that comes with a responsibility to represent that part of the organization, just like somebody in HR represents, here's how we hire people and here's how their compensation packages work and so forth. Yep. Uh, the customer experience, the chief customer officer or, or the chief experience officer needs to be responsible to say, well, here's how this potential thing that we're considering doing is going to impact our customers. And this is why it does or doesn't matter. On the other hand, there's also the, the functional role that the, the chief customer officer has, and that is of your voice of the customer program, obviously. And then, at, as I had alluded to before, a, a, a strong and well-integrated process engineering function as well. And then, of course, there's the, the, the cultural aspects of it, too. You know, the plane with a banner and getting Oprah on board. And, <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know what? Kind of what you just said is is the first step is to make sure that they're on the executive leadership team. You know, there's a lot of organizations where that's still not the case, uh, where they are the uh, director or the manager of customer experience, and they're kind of looking up at the executives and saying, "Hey, how do we get buy-in?" Uh, because these people below me or people next to me are saying, "That's great, but uh, it's going to be a little bit more confusing." And and why do I have to add that to my plate if I'm not measured on it? So maybe what's what's your advice? To, to somebody in that position where, where they're kind of stuck and they're, they're, they don't know, they don't have the title or they don't have the, the uh, crosswise, they don't, they don't have people that are, that are measured on it. Sure, getting that buy-in is tricky. And I'll be honest, it's going to be hard until you're at that table. But there are ways to get there. Uh, and, and surely it comes down to, again, it's that strategic overall goal of what your organization is, is. You have to be able to tie in the metrics, whether you're using you know, CSAT or customer effort score or NPS or whatever you're going to use. You have to be able to find a way to explain to people in the language that makes a difference to them why it should matter. And the way that you do that is you get your analysts online and show correlation between whatever those CX metrics are and the bottom line metrics, those KPIs for your organization. If you can show that happier, more satisfied customers come back more often, spend more, give you more of their share of wallet, they, they give you a greater share of the market, then that's how you get that buy-in. Because the things that you can do when it comes to interacting with your customer, well, those are knobs you can really turn right there right? Right on the front line, right when you're interacting with your customers, you can change the things that you do and you can improve that. Because often it's that black box. How do I improve this or that KPI? We want to increase revenues. Well, guess what? If you get, have a better customer experience, you'll increase revenues. Okay, well, that's an easier question to ask. How do I have a better customer experience? Well, we've got this huge VOC program, boss, and here's how we can improve that customer experience. Yeah, yeah. In, in, again, kind of go back to the video. One thing that you had mentioned was um, you know, looking at every strategic decision your organization makes through the lens of the customer and kind of looking at those pain points throughout that, throughout that journey. And if, if you can look at the pain points and you can kind of align those back to the business and say, hey, here's where, that where they're stuck. Here's where we're kind of losing the, our customers through customer churn. Here's where that looks like, you know, maybe you can find uh, more of a way to uh, have a, a better decision for your executives and, and make it easier for them if it aligns with their, what they're measured on. Absolutely, Nick. And you know, there's also the, when you do get 
to that table and you're sitting with the other decision makers, it's going to be important that you, that you know the role that you're playing to yeah. on that leadership team. The great example is the CFO. The chief finance officer gets to have his or her finger in everybody's pot. Well, this is your budget. This is your budget. It's just kind of like the opposite Oprah. <laughs> you get a budget and you get a budget and you get a budget. Well, that's great. <clears throat> As the CXO, it's your responsibility to turn to the CFO and say, all right, well, let's talk about the experience of billing. And the CFO's face will turn white. <laughs> you say, how do you feel that our customers interact? How do you feel about the interaction that our customers have with us through the billing process? And do you consider that part of the customer's experience? And then that is going to be something that your CFO probably never even considered, never even thought of it that way. And yeah. that's the value that you bring. Yeah. And, and, and then hopefully your budget isn't smaller because you've got a threat. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Suddenly there's no, there's no money for that plane with a banner behind it anymore. Right? <laughs> you might still get Oprah. Who knows? So what are the, some of the specific roadblocks uh, for other professionals to look for, out for uh, when it comes to, to doing this and implementing it? Uh, well, certainly it's the buy-in. And, and like I said, there needs to be this humility. You can't just come in and say, all right, everybody, we're just going to embrace our customers and do everything we possibly can for our customers. I mean, you alluded to it. It's in, it's in the videos. It's all of that. It's, here's, we need to knock it out of the park. Uh, I wrote something not long ago about how you don't have to be everything to everybody. You don't have to be Zappos. You don't have to be USAA. Sometimes all you need to do is just look for that one pain point, even if it's just within your industry, that all of your competitors have just resigned themselves to, well, this is just the way it is when you do business in our industry. If you sell these things or if you provide this service, it's just the way it is. If you can break through that one tiny little thing, you're going to be the one company in your industry, the one service provider, the one maker of whatever your product is that's broken through it. And it doesn't, that doesn't even have to be perfect, Nick, just that you're showing that you give a damn about that one pain point that nobody else in your industry is taking care of. <laughs> right. I, I don't remember the, the company name that you had actually mentioned in the article, but it was like, don't be the, you don't have to beat the best. You just have to beat DMV. Yeah, just the and DMV. I, thought, yeah. <laughs> I got a I response that to funny. that. Somebody responded that as somebody who used to be responsible for CX at the DMV, I can totally appreciate this. Oh, I could have gone the, t the different way. Yeah, but. <laughs> so uh, what are some bad recommendations you hear in, in the industry or field of expertise? You know, uh, people have opinions about whatever metric that they're using. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of criticism and I've been one of the people what, who have criticized, for example, NPS. NPS is a dead metric. It's no good. It's this, that, and the other thing. If you go back years, several years before, uh, before Fred came along and invented NPS, mm -hmm. people were saying the same thing about CSAT, you know, and then Matt Dixon comes up with this awesome customer effort score. And I'm a big Matt Dixon fan. So, so yeah. great for him. And people are going to start embracing that. And in five years, people are going to say, that's the worst metric ever. And what it always comes down to is, the same caveat, and that is, it doesn't tell the whole story. And it's true, it doesn't. But people want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and kind of, you know, attack the messenger when mm -hmm. it's always been the case and it's universal that it doesn't matter what metric you are using. CSAT is just as good as NPS, is just as good as CES. If you're not A, tying it up the chain, which is to say up that value chain into your greater 
corporate KPIs, then no one's going to buy in. And if you're also not digging further into it and finding out why customers are giving you the score that they're giving you so that you can identify what to do with it and what to change and improve, of course, yeah, NPS is going to be a, a, a terrible score, just like anything else. It doesn't matter what you use. And so I think to, to, to answer your question in fewer words, it's that people are looking for a magic bullet rather than recognizing the work that it takes and recognizing that it takes also taking action on the information that you get. Nate Brown always loves to say that, that your VOC program isn't the starting, isn't the finish line. I screwed up Nate's thing. It's, it isn't the finish line. It's the starting line. And that's truly the case. If you're, if you, if, if I could give advice, I, don't, I hope this isn't a question later on, but I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, and do it now. If I could give advice to somebody starting off in CX, that if your job is reporting and nothing else, I say the job of your entire CX function, maybe you're a reporter and so that's important, so you should be reporting. But if, your jo- if the job of your entire CX function is nothing more than preparing a weekly or monthly report for the leadership, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> it should be the other shoe to drop, which is, and therefore here's what we're going to do about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's a great, great transition. So let's say somebody has, has figured this out and they've, they've had the ability to align customer experience strategy with brand promises. Um, what do they do next? Like what, what are the next steps? Is it uh, that, that you would recommend after you've kind of built this out? What are the other kind of components that you see uh, that can help drive that initiative? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it comes down to understanding that there really are, there, there, there are three components to a good CX program, but, but the two that interact most is the, that VOC program and then your process engineering. And um, you, you know, process engineering can take a lot of different shapes, lean, Six Sigma, and so forth. But the idea is that those two are interconnected by the insights that come out of the VOC. Your VOC program's output is not your NPS it's not the score. The output are the insights that are gained from digging. And if all you're doing is surveying, you're probably doing it wrong too, because the VOC program should be a lot, a lot of work because it should involve uh, analysis and industry analysis, comparing yourself to your peers and not just on that top line MPS score. What are our peers doing as opposed to what we're doing? It should involve interviews with your customers. Most absolutely most important and should involve, should involve walking in the customer's shoes getting out there and understanding what your customers are experiencing. All of this adds up to one thing that I call insights. Those insights should also not, any more than your survey numbers, just sit on the shelf or sit on a chart up there. You have to turn that into action. You use that to prioritize the improvement projects that you want to execute. And this is another reason why, as a CCO, you should be sitting with that leadership team because you're going to need buy-in and coordination among all the different silos in your organization to drive those end-to-end process improvement efforts in order to therefore drive that NPS or CSAT score, whatever you're using up. So it's the way the insights come out of the VOC program and feed into your action, which is within your process engineering uh, program. Yeah, great information. So I ask uh, two questions to every guest. And, and so uh, you can't answer uh, with one of the answers you had prior. Uh, so in case one <laughs> of those were a question. Uh, but the first is, the first question is, what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year around customer service and customer experience? And then the second question is, if you could leave a note 
to all the customer service uh, and or customer experience professionals, what would it say? Well, I leave a note asking what book I should read. <laughs> no, I have a full disclosure. I have like a, uh, <clears throat> I have a George Costanza book club approach. So I'm not very, uh, it takes me a while to read a book, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a Simon Sinek fan. Uh, and I and I and I read through uh, his his start with why every couple of years, and I'm currently in the middle of his most recent one, which he's probably onto another one by now anyway, uh, called the Infinite Game, and I, it's fascinating to me because it it talks about how you don't win in business. There's not a finish line, you know. Go back to to, to Nate's line. There's there is no finish, right? You don't you never win because the time runs out and you have more points, and that's fantastic. But what I'm really curious to find is how he reconciles that, and I'm sure that he does, you know, further in the book. Right. <laughs> uh, I have the movie paused on my DVR. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sure that further in the book he does address it. How do you reconcile that with the need for you know KPIs and goals and and, yeah. and you know, gates and, and so forth. So uh, not necessarily having to do with CX, but in the sense that we as CX professionals are always trying to emphasize the importance of that long strategic game rather than just what your quarterly results are, where your earnings are and so forth. I can certainly relate to it, but at the same time, we have a responsibility as CX folks to translate all this really great touchy-feely stuff about CX into those hard figures. And so Simon owes us that explanation so I'm looking forward. I'm sure it's in a later chapter. If not, uh, you can just ping him and, and ask him for that information. I'm sure he's got nothing else to do but respond to all of our questions. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Oprah could introduce us. So yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll make a goal. <laughs> all right. So um, the uh, the 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 note that I could leave to other CX uh, professionals uh, would would definitely be do something. Is do something. Absolutely. Uh, I have lived careers in project management organizations. I've lived careers in process improvement and quality organizations. And every one of those, you live your life with the sort of Damocles over you having the need to defend your existence at any one point. And I think that now in CX, I have, I live in the same world of, well, what are you here for? Why are you around here? And the only way to do that is to first make that tie out into why CX matters. And that has to come down to top level KPIs of your organization. How do I fit in and what's important? And then it's taking action. And if you think that your job ends with saying, here's where we are, then you're wrong. You have to do something. And, you, and that involves uh, being at the table and it involves working across those silos and bringing folks on board, recognizing that the work that they're going to do with you, not for you, but with you is going to make all the difference. That's great. I appreciate that. Um, you can connect with Nick Zeisler on his website, Zeisler Consulting. It's Z-E-I-S-L-E-R consulting.com. On LinkedIn at Zeisler Consulting on Twitter at Nicholas Seisler and um, anything else you want to add on the, on the social channels? Mom knows how to call. Mom knows how to call. <laughs> All right. So uh, running Hunter, mom knows how to call <laughs> is where you get a hold of Nick Seisler. Uh, thank yeah. you so much for your time, Nick. I, I really appreciate you joining me as a guest. You bet, Nick. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on press one for Nick. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm Nick Limsdahl, and until next time, focus on the customer.
Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.